This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. It's Welcome to the Church Boys. We are here. We are queer. We are not going skiing. Wait, that wasn't the right intro. That's the other show we do, Billy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So it begins. Hey, it must be Friday. I think there's a little pressure system coming through. <laughs> pressure system. Well, uh, I'm, you I'm, know, I'm, I also sound not like myself again because oh, for man. the 14th time since January, I think I have another sinus infection. Jeez, oh, Pete, it's amazing. So I'm, I'm a little bit giddy. I just... um. I just sent my family off for the weekend. <laughs> Billy and I, I love been... you just said I'm a little bit giddy. My family's gone. <laughs> I mean, that's, that sounds horrible. But so uh, <laughs> Billy and I were planning on recording, and I kept Billy gets to get a, got a uh, a look into. Oh, here's Rivette. Okay, <laughs> she's just been dope. Okay, <laughs> more on her later. More on her later. <laughs> so uh, Billy gets a little taste of what it's like to be me uh, earlier today usually we're trying to record we'll start recording but it's like give me 15 more minutes this just happened give me two more minutes and it's we'll we'll schedule to record at one time and it will start recording about an hour and a half later so billy and i this morning he's got to catch a train and i got to do this and so we're planning on doing it this morning and getting it out early this morning and and anyway my wife has left me and no i mean she has rightfully so not like not like divorced me left me but like she has just left this morning uh with my three children and they're going down to the Boise area to see uh, Nana and Papa. And we have every summer we do what we call Nana Camp, where my kids used to, it was just my daughter. Now my son's old enough to do it. Um, go down and spend the week with uh, my wife's parents. And we just call it Nana Camp. And so they'll be down there for a week. But the wife is taking them down today and coming back uh, in a few more days. So she's going to spend a weekend down there and do all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so there's one delay after another. And somehow, even though I'm not traveling... It became my job to pack the car and make sure everything was ready to go. Which is the worst responsibility it, ever. It's 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 bad enough when you are actually traveling, but when you're wait, not. Wait, but does you wait? Wait, does your wife do this? My wife does this thing where I pack the car and she'll try to repack it. Oh no, no there's my a better wife's not, way. My wife's not allowed to touch the packing stuff. She's terrible. Right, so She's no, we actually it. have a battle. So She's I basically don't even try that hard the first time because I know it's going to be redone. <laughs> no, my wife's not allowed near the trunk because she'll mess it up. I'm like this. Piece, well, that, that's this the whole piece, point. This piece goes here. This is how. This is the most efficient way of doing things. So right, she's not, she's not allowed exactly. To, but um, anyway, so that was you know done now. Then they are on the road, uh, and I am alone for like three days, which means I can get stuff done around the house. I'm gonna miss them every minute that they're gone. Don't get me wrong. I'm gonna miss them the whole time they're gone. I love my wife, love my kids. They don't annoy me. There's nothing. But like, who, like, who are you trying to convince here? <laughs> well, me. I'm looking at myself in the sky. I'm thinking, okay, you can do this. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like you. It's well, this is also not true. <laughs> so, speaking of Rivette. Okay, so I was going to give you an option. Do you want to just go to Rivette first? Because I was going to say, I we, think we, got, we there are two for those things of you who don't know. Sarah Rivette's our contributions manager at the Blaze, which means she deals with a lot of people who write uh, op eds and opinion yeah. pieces, which is and, the hardest uh, job. At the blaze. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. 
Oh, the sinus infection. I, I don't know. I don't even. I don't know what I sound like, but it's not uh, human. Whatever. No, it is. It, you sound like you're on the uh, the the soon to be death ward. The death ward. Uh, well, like all right. You call, are you calling Revet? Yeah, What's I was going to say we can do Revet first, or we can do Spocompton first, whichever you want to do. But let's do Revet first. Let's do Revet first. Okay. So let me find her. I got get that garbage right. out of the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Notice he says that when she's not on the line. <laughs> oh, I've said worse to Sarah. All right. I, spoiler alert. Sarah and I have known each other for like 13, I don't even know, a lot of years. We went to college together, so we've known each other since we were practically teenagers. All right, I'm calling. Let's see if she picks up. Come on now. Come on. Honestly, she probably has no, like... No, she's busy. What is she on the... Well, she probably has a call block on because she knows what's coming. Are you? I'm texting her now. Are you on the phone? <laughs> no, that wasn't like a busy signal. That was like, don't ever call me again. I've blocked your number <laughs> through my provider signal. Okay, can I get, let's try again. That was a big go to hell. <laughs> I just asked her, I said, are you on the phone? That sounded like a busy signal. She said, no. Okay, so I'll try this again. Staring at it, waiting for it to ring. Staring Did at it. Did you give me the wrong number? <laughs> She's just staring at Wait. it, waiting for it to ring, like a single girl on Friday night. <laughs> Wait, did I give did I give you the wrong number? Because that would be awesome. I gave you. Oh, I can't say it on the air. No, you can't say it on the air. Well, I could. I'm, I'm, really I just texted her. Okay, she says that's the right number. So let's try it again. I love it that you know there's some sort of divine intervention trying to prevent this from happening right now. Let's see if this works this time. Yep, that's the chewy, gooey center of the of the show you're all experiencing right now. Oh, now it's ringing. There we go. Are you talking about my stomach? <laughs> that's just gross. <laughs> hello. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's She was taping a special across the hall. She's come in, and she's going to have a little conversation with us. This is uh, Sarah Rivette, star of TheBlaze.com uh, contributor section. How are you doing, Sarah? Doing well. How are you guys today? Oh, this is the Church Boys, by the way. Oh, is it? Is that what this is? <laughs> so, we're calling. We're calling because, um, well, for one, Billy deserves it. But earlier this week, we had a very disturbing conversation as an editorial team <laughs> about a whole bunch of things that culturally literate Americans should know, right? For instance, yes. baseball. How many people were totally clueless about rules of baseball and teams and baseball? Uh, maybe they was, maybe they fell asleep every was, time they tried to watch a baseball was, game on it TV. Was just a, shut up, you commie. He's half and, a commie. I'm staring at half a commie and over I'm here. Slowly, I'm slowly raising my hand because I'm totally guilty of that. Yeah, but baseball but is yeah. the most boring sport on the face of the earth to watch yeah, on TV. But I, but she, person, but, fine. Yeah, but she's a girl, so I give her a pass. Okay, she's allowed oh. to be, she's allowed to be half engaged. Okay. So, but the other thing we were talking about was Mad Max, the new Mad Max movie out. And Billy says, what, Rivette? What is a Mad Max? What and is it? In true Billy fashion. In true Billy fashion. <laughs> what is a Mad Max? It's like. I mean, honestly, what? I've never in my life, and let me just, let me just, I've never in my life seen 
such a poor piece of garbage advertisement for a movie. I am watching a woman with a buzzed head ride around the desert it incessantly with amazing. no information on what this movie is about. What? Anywhere. Nobody can tell me what it's about. I'm hoping I'm hoping with my family gone to go see it by myself this weekend. That's and as lame as it sounds to go to a movie by yourself, and I hate going to a movie by myself, I might actually go see this one by myself because my wife's not interested. But can but, we all but, agree that if you don't know anything about it, that the previews are absolutely ridiculous? No, There's no, a man no, we, we wearing pieces of we skull we can't agree. around his we neck. Can't, we, we, we can't agree on And a that. woman with a shaved head in a desert. That's all I know. Yeah. Uh, Charlize well, Theron with a shaved head. are discounting the fact that this movie is part of Americana. It's exactly. part of a larger cultural shift. It's like it was... It is a fantastic trilogy from about 30 years ago. And well, it wait, was wait, so you've just stated so my massive. problem. You've just stated my problem. I'm actually 31 years old. So the <laughs> only one old enough on this call <laughs> to actually know would be Chris Field. <laughs> but I'm only like seven <laughs> years older than you. That's true. But I love but to bring like, up your age to but, make you but, feel but older. But just a second. So, so, so you, fall under the, you fall under the Rush Limbaugh theory that for every... For average Americans, history starts the day you were born. So you don't pay attention to anything before that. So you don't well, have any actually, recollection of Frank no, Sinatra the, or uh, well, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby. I'm sorry. I'm sorry Frank, old I don't, time I baseball. Can't. Anything cultural. I'm not talking about like history. To, I'm talking like cultural movements. Have you Are ever we had comparing me, Frank Sinatra to? Have you ever wait, had? Have you sure ever had apple Sinatra pie? This. I'm talking about pop culture generally. Well, well here's, here's the other aspect of this, Billy, because if you want to talk about pop culture, then Mel Gibson is a huge star, and exactly. Mad Max is really where he got to start. Absolutely. Like, that's, how he, that's how he became Mel Gibson, who then went on to do The Passion of the Christ and became a crazy person and then all of that stuff. Like, that started it for him. Well, you know, listen, and there here's were, what I and would there were three, say. I blame my parents. I'm going to blame my parents, and here's why. <laughs> okay. Here's why. Go ahead and my go there. Parents, I had very young parents, this is, right? This is a timeout. So, wait, where are you going? This, keep this in mind. Where are you going this weekend? I'm going to see my parents. Okay. But the bottom I'm just line is. Sure you remember. Listen, the bottom line is I remember my parents in their late 20s, okay? Right. So I can say that. And what I remember is that the things they were interested in were the things that were going on then at that time. So. I think I mi we missed a lot of this. I missed a lot of it. Same thing with music. There's not a lot of older music because they didn't listen to it. I wasn't around it, so I wasn't. I didn't become interested in it. My Sarah, parents you, didn't you have either. no excuse for being no. in tune with culture. A no, no, no. See, and I, I think that that's all. That's all BS because Total BS. You know, I came from a household where we had 30 minutes of television time a week. That's all that we could watch as a collective family unit outside of the news broadcast that my parents watched for an hour every night. 30 minutes of television in an entire week. What, the hamster so, wheel, The hamster got tired running that wheel to make the electricity, or what? Yeah, I think, well, no, probably. I mean, we had one of those consoles that sat on the floor with, like, the, the whole wooden, <laughs> really heavy television set. My parents were just like, no, you're going to go outside and, Good. you know, do whatever, and instead of sitting in front of the television. So we just didn't watch TV. So I have no excuse. But I still know. Yeah, how do you not know? I mean, you don't have to like the movie. My wife probably hasn't seen more than 30 minutes of the Mad Max movies, all of all three of the originals at a total, right? But she knows what they are. It's it's almost... They're, as, they're a movie about a woman with a buzzed head riding no, around the not. desert. No, they're not. But that's great. not the case. Well, 
And, and I'm going to give Billy a little bit of credit because I actually uh, had to uh, DVR the originals when they were on TV this last weekend, so my husband would know what they were. But um, whoa, and I was, wait, but yeah, but isn't, isn't your husband a, isn't your husband a mail order husband from you know Ukraine or something? No, but he did spend the majority of his childhood in Germany with because his father was in the Air Force. So right. maybe he gets a pass. I don't know. Well, he he had to spend a lot of his time around Europeans, so he wasn't going to know, you know, good culture. So, But might I add, I found it very distracting rewatching these movies for the first time in probably 15 years. Yeah. The fact that Mel Gibson's accent goes in and out from Australian to not Australian, <laughs> back to Australian, it was very distracting. Yeah, and they're not, I mean, they're not like high-level cinematic masterpieces. They're just classic American culture movie, and again, as you pointed out earlier this week, Rivette, they're Australian. I mean, they were filmed in Australia. I get that, but this is Americana, and Tina Turner was in one of the movies. Belly. Mm-hmm. Wow, Chris, Beyond you're really Thunderdome. By the way, bringing <sighs> Tina Turner up. God. So, <laughs> Billy or uh, Sarah, uh, do you have any good stories about Billy that we could share with the audience? Kind of more of some more penance for him. We we need more um, stories. Well, so today I was listening as I was listening to uh, Glenn Beck on the radio. We um, he mentioned this event that they did a few years ago with the lemonade stand, oh, yes. um, <laughs> and so that reminded me that Billy and our deputy managing editor John Seidel made this hysterical video of them trying to find one of these lemonade stands, and. I was a little bit obsessed with it this morning and was tweeting it out like crazy and sharing it with the staff. And if, that wouldn't have been possible, actually, if Billy hadn't sent me the link because <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to go search for it myself. I just mentioned it offhand, and then he kind of sunk his own ship on that one. You do have to see this video because it wasn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> nope. No, it was supposed to be... Us finding this lemonade stand and praising this wonderful family that put together a lemonade stand for a good cause. And what it ended up being was me ranting and raving in the driver's seat of the car because we got lost in the totally way to the lemonade stand for like two hours. <laughs> Billy and doing and this, best. the video actually might prove our point with the fact that Billy at heart is like a 95-year-old man. Because <laughs> if you see him drive, he is like leaned up on He's the all hunched over. Listen, like I, I stand by that video. I, well, the sad part about the whole thing is that we delivered the footage to the editor thinking we're going to end up with this really great oh. video. Like, good luck with it. We really need this good, serious video. And what emerged was that video with <laughs> Tiffany Gabay in the backseat of one of our old editors asked, begging for food and sustenance, begging for Chick-fil-A throughout, throughout the entire clip because she was passing out from oh, not man. eating. And it's it's sad because it's a cool story. The like the lemonade stand story is a cool story, but it's totally overshadowed by your idiocy. <laughs> it's this is hilarious. Oh, but man. I've ridden in the car with them. Billy on numerous occasions, and he does drive like that. He does. All, all Actually, Sarah, Sarah used to chauffeur me around. Sarah used to drive me around in college because I didn't have a car. Oh, because she didn't trust you behind yeah. the wheel. Because you do you impersonate you you do the best male impersonation of a female driver. I mean, according to this video that I've watched. Listen, I w- should not have been tasked with driving around Texas. That is what right. I maintain. I maintain that. I also maintain 
that I didn't drive from the time I was like 18 until 22 or 23. So I lost a lot of years of experience. Okay, driving. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, it, it is actually kind of like that. Yeah, Mr. Hoity Toity, New York. That is true. When I met Billy in college, he was he was rooming with this guy that I was friends with, and that guy Dave drove us around. And then I got my car on campus, and I drove us around. Right. So and then my and then my wife started driving me around. So where did you guys go to college together? Oh dear, um, <laughs> we went <laughs> to the College of Mount Saint Vincent in the Bronx. And, in the Bronx. Um, so Billy and I, we. What was funny is the majority of people that went to this really small school were from New York City. Like they were either from Queens or from Brooklyn or Staten Island. And Billy and I just happened to be two of the, I guess, outliers who came from upstate New York. He was from Rochester. I was from Lake George. So um, we kind of had that in common. And But we met freshman year when he, I became friends with his then roommate, which is another funny, crazy, creepy story all on its own. And um, then we didn't really hang out for the first two years. And I, I left uh, the Mount for a semester to go study abroad in, in London. And I came back and someone told me that Billy was around. And I was friends, really good friends with another guy on campus named Billy. And that's who I thought that they met when they she said was Billy so was around. She was so excited until she saw my face. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're the wrong Billy. That's what she told me. I was so disappointed. <laughs> Insane. And, Billy's, and Billy has lived with that repeated throughout his life ever since. <laughs> Every time you're an idiot. they run into Billy, it's like, oh, you're so disappointing. <laughs> Pretty much. Whatever. Um, then, then two months later, we ended up being on the same, um, we were, became resident assistants and we worked together. And All right. now we've been best friends for way too long. So did yeah, you and, did and you know actually, Billy before Sarah and I have never wife? argued. We were just talking about that. We've had like minor disagreements, but we've never had an argument in all the years we've been friends, which I think is interesting. Now, did you know did you know Billy before Billy knew Andrea? Uh, his wife. Well, Billy, we kind of all. I knew Andrea first, okay. and I knew Billy first, but not well enough to say that I knew them, kind of thing. You know, I knew right. of them. Gotcha. And then we all kind of became friends around the yeah. same time. Okay. Yep. All right. So, <laughs> go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. He can't, even, he can't even contain himself. Go ahead. Nope, we're good. We're good. I'm just going to go ahead and leave that there. Do you have anything else you want to say about Billy? Because I do want to get your take on another story real quick, if you've got a minute. Oh, I do have a minute. So I I, I think I'm done embarrassing him for okay. now. I embarrass him all day long with the okay. staff and on Twitter. So, I mean, I kind of <laughs> tapped out for my Friday. You should, don't, don't make me go into the green ticket story. <laughs> don't make me go there. Don't make me green go. Don't, don't make me go into the jail. <laughs> the prison story either billy <laughs> wait no the ba we will one day we will talk about the prison story and we will have to have sarah back to talk about her absurd reaction to it <laughs> her reaction was absolutely appalling <laughs> all right so i don't even remember my reaction i do <laughs> and and the listeners want to know more and you know, my, continue my reaction was you told me this. You told me this over dinner one time, Bill. You told me the whole prison story over dinner. I did up in New York, and my 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 mouth was just agape the whole time. It's actually one of the best stories <laughs> in the world. All right, well we'll have to tell that another it, time. It's, it's great. All right, so anyway, so what? what all right, so the other the other story the other story we we're going to talk about just for a minute here in this first break. <clears throat> I gave Billy the option: want to call Rivet or do you want to do this other story first? And he he chose you first. For whatever reason, I'm Yay. glad that he did because that means we had more time to talk to you. 
But the other story is the story, uh, the 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 fake the fake black NAACP <laughs> leader from uh, what? See this this is happening near me. I live near where this is happening, and it's happening in a place we call Spokompton. The rest of the world knows it as Spokane. We call it Spokompton. Uh, so what? <laughs> Billy, to, to explain the story, and then we'll. It's okay. It is the most bizarre story I think I've ever heard. It's one of the most bizarre stories I've ever heard. Basically, this woman, Rachel Dolezal, I guess that's how you say her name. She's the president of the NAACP chapter in Spokane. And Spokane. Her, Spokane. 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 Who Just cares? Just because it has an who E on the end doesn't make it If it's A-N-E. such an awful place, why do you care how I it's pronounce it? It's not an awful place. We just like to make fun of it. It's you Spok- just said it's... You, oh, we call whatever. it, no, we call it Spokompton. Spokompton. Spokane. Oh, fine. Spokane. Anyway, her parents, Ruth Spokane. and Larry, they've come forward. They apparently have a severed relationship with their daughter. Now, remember, she's the president of the NAACP, <laughs> so the assumption is that she's an African-American. This is the best story and ever. They're claiming that she's white and her parents are white and that she has pretended to be somebody she's not. And his cho- and they and they go through all the details about how she tried to change her appearance, and then the, you could see pictures of her when she was younger versus pictures of her now. And then she speaks out about this and says she considers herself a black woman, but she's not apparently allegedly a black woman. Oh no! You look at her; you can you can tell she's this lowly white, blonde, blonde-haired, long, straight, blonde hair, pasty white, freckles. I think she has blue eyes naturally, right? Isn't that what I read somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, from looking at the pictures, it appears that so somehow she decided she needed to, it's a transracial issue is what it is, Billy. Trans trans I mean I just don't I don't understand I don't understand it. I don't understand how you <laughs> makes me so happy. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, I sent, I, Sarah. I sent the link to Billy and all I said was, This is really curious. Like what I don't I've read the story that we did on the blaze, but I, I haven't read anything outside of that. And my first question is, okay, so you know, when you fill out all the paperwork for anything and you consider yourself, whatever, and you have to check all the little boxes to like identify yourself. If we can't tell Caitlyn Jenner, if we can accept that Caitlyn Jenner is now a woman, then what's to stop me from saying that I'm native American, that I'm Asian, that I'm, you know, why can't I right. self-identify as all of these other things? If we're just going to open it up, I agree. then doesn't, doesn't that defeat the purpose of first having, um, I guess, pride in who you are, where you came from, and then also the like the whole affirmative action issue. So, okay, I can just click Asian. doesn't matter. I self-identify as an Asian. So right. you, you have to count me as that in your, your little statistics, and yep. maybe that'll get me into college. Maybe that won't. Wasn't there also a case recently where um, this Indian man posed as a black man, or a black man posed as an Indian so that he could get into college? Is am I the only one that's remembering I, this case from like two or three months ago? I don't remember that. Oh one. yes, I do. I okay. do kind of remember. Now you're it. lying. You don't remember. You're just trying to make her feel better. <laughs> no, I do. I kind of remember this. I guys, I can't. I can't continue having this conversation because this woman not only allegedly, I'm going to keep saying that, pretended to be another race. But she became the president of the NAACP. <laughs> How does that happen? She was down with the struggle, man. I don't. I just. I don't. I'm. I'm really confused by it. And her response to it. Wait, can I just read this one quote? Because it's crazy. 
it's mo-, she said it's more important for me to clarify that to the black community and with my executive board than it is for me to explain it to a community that I quite frankly don't think understands the definitions of race and ethnicity. Wait, I is don't it think the community she understands. That doesn't understand it or her. I don't think she has any clue. <laughs> Like what? What is this definition? What does it mean? It's he's just a dope. But then also, if you can change the definition by your your feeling and your sentiment today, then what what good is the definition at all? Right, but that's but that's what we're dealing with in our culture, and this is this speaks to as much fun as this story is, and it is, and it's part of the reason it's fun is because it puts the left in their place, kind of right. But this is what our society is doing, that we are changing the definitions of things. We're changing the definitions of right and wrong. We're changing the definition of normal and weird. We're changing the definition of, we believe in, we have now, somehow we have a living constitution. We change the definitions of marriage. We do all these things, and then we're surprised when people are confused or disagree or whatever. That's, and that's where we are as a culture. I mean, I'm just perple- I'm perplexed, and it's fascinating to me that her parents have you know, basically come forward and said this. But but what's crazy is that she started changing her appearance, too. I mean, this is not just a claim. It's actually changing elements of yourself to try to appear a certain way, at right. least according to her parents. And when you look at the pictures of her before versus sure after, like it. it's it's interesting. Yeah, that's all, all right. I'll say. I'll leave right. it there. We should probably we should probably take a break. <laughs> come, we'll regroup and come back and cover a couple other things. We've got to go. Billy's got to get on a train, Sarah. So we have to cut out here in a minute. Oh, that sounds good. But thank you guys for giving me well, a call. And well, thank you. For I th- hope that everyone enjoys laughing at Billy as much as I do. Okay. Uh, I wish we could get our Slack conversations posted. <laughs> <laughs> You're all demonic. You oh, really I, are. I know. I know. All right, Sarah, we'll talk to you later, all right? You guys have a good weekend. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. I hung up, but I don't know if it's every... It didn't do the bloop thing. Sarah, are you still go there? To a, go to a break. There we go. Okay, let's go. To, God. This woman is okay. <laughs> you, you have no ability. And the worst part is I want to laugh so bad and I can't because I want to cough when I laugh. Oh, man. All right, well, let's take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> <I can't fall. coughs> you just coughed over the outro. <laughs> got his mic muted what are you doing coughing <laughs> i'm pointing at billy on the screen go go ahead go ahead it's your, you're i was actually choking on my i was choking on my own saliva <laughs> then his but mic's muted 
allow me allow me to actually do what I'm intended to do here, which is to uh, really first and foremost tease our interview with Gretchen Carlson from Fox News, uh, talking about her new book, talking about faith. Uh, Chris ended up being a huge fan. I really enjoyed her too. I think she no, was no, don't, really great. No, don't tell lies. Um, I'm I no, I, I love, really I love I'm her. just kidding. I love Gretchen. She's yeah. she seems she like a great. very very nice person. No, I had a, I had a great time, and I think. You know, had a lot of interesting things to say about faith and really is probably one of the more faithful people in a position like hers. Yeah. And I think and I think that's great. And I so agree. we had a great conversation with her. We will we will show you that, let you listen to that after we talk about this ridiculously amazing story out of um, Australia. It's this married couple. And what I love about this is that you've got Nick and Sarah Jensen. They're 33 year olds. The wife is a doctor. The husband works in politics and They've been together for more than 10 years, married, but they are saying, they're claiming that they will get divorced if gay marriage passes in Australia later this year. If that happens, oh. they say that it's the government unfairly changing the parameters of what marriage is, and marriage, in their view, was defined by the church and owned by the church before it was ever a government institution. Sure. And so, rather than comply with the change of marriage allowing same-sex couples in, they would choose to divorce, live together still, raise their family, and consider themselves husband and wife under God. Right. So they would they would be, and they could go back and get married at the church without it being some sort of legal contract, right? No marriage license or anything. The church just maybe holds a ceremony. They could do that, right? Right. So what was so, your, I mean, so when you read this, when you read about this story, what was your take on it? What did you think of it? You know, I think it's interesting. I think it's somebody trying to make a point and and they're trying to, you know, discuss an important issue, which is what marriage really means under God, which I think right now is a pertinent issue. And a lot of people are talking about it, especially with in America, the Supreme Court uh, ruling that's going to come any day now, uh, probably later on this month. That is, I would assume, and we could talk about this if you want, Chris, but going to legalize gay marriage across the country. Yeah. Um, so people are talking about this. It, my initial impression was it's sort of something I, I can't question why they're saying this, why they're doing this. I'm, I assume they really believe what they're saying. Um, but, you know, I do wonder. I don't know. I do wonder if it's the best way to handle it. But it does make a point. Again, it does. It tells think, the government, you don't really own this. We own marriage. Right. And, and I do think for Christians, that is an important thing to believe that, right. that marriage is something that God created with a purpose. I so, agree. And I think I think that's the point. I think the statement I understand the statement that they're making. Um, and I understand the, the reason behind it. <clears throat> it's like uh, two things. One, they're, they're saying, as you said, state, government, whatever, you don't own this. The church owns marriage. This marriage is this. And making a statement says, if you're going to do this to marriage, the marriage is useless and worthless anyway. Why would we want to be a part of it? Right. Where I think where I think you start to undermine your undermine your message, where you start to have a, a problem, is in the rhetoric where the left says. Gay marriage isn't going to, you know, cause, you know, uh, isn't going to impact your marriage and that sort of thing. And now they're going to they're going to point at say, look, even uh, somebody who's faithfully married calls themselves a Christian is going to get divorced as a reaction to this. That tells you how out of touch these people are. I mean, that's I think that's the easy rebuttal from the pro gay marriage people, but whatever. Yeah, and I think too, you know, that I mean, you're talking about divorce. Divorce still matters, I would assume, right? I mean, it, it, it's something that's dealt with in the Bible and, and not right. getting a divorce without a viable reason. This doesn't really seem like a viable reason, which, you know, is kind of interesting and adds to the theological discussion. But I think the couple would argue, well, marriage has it's not it's not the same form of marriage that the Bible's talking about 
that the government is now changing. It's a different form of marriage the government's creating. Right. So it's complicated, it much is. like a Facebook it's relationship not, status. It is very weird. So um, you know what? Let's just keep this break short. Let's go ahead and take another break. We'll get into the interview next. Um, we went long in that first break with Rivet, which is fine with me. It was I thought it was fun. So let's take a break. We'll be right back with the interview. The church boys. The church boys. Man, I hate these guys. I don't really understand how the church boys came to be. You know, I was just thinking about this the other day, and I'm like, what thing did I do in my life that left me with this really sometimes painful experience of having to co-host a show you know with what? Chris Field. It'll be in the book that we write about this show about our friendship called Trannies and Trousers. <laughs> oh my God. Well, yeah, actually, that's a great name for our book. Or we could just talk about our interview with Gretchen Carlson, okay, which what I think there? is where we should go now. And that book that she just wrote that's coming out, it's called Getting Real. All right, so let's uh, let's hear from Gretchen. It's Billy Hollowell and Chris Field here for The Church Boys, and we have a very, very interesting guest today. We're excited to welcome Gretchen Carlson from Fox News onto the show. How you doing, Gretchen? Hey, guys. Thank, I love the title, Church Boys. Yeah, thank yeah, you very yeah. much. It's, uh, that's, fan, that's fantastic. You guys must have grown up and spent time in the church. <laughs> we did. In <laughs> fact, did. both of us did. And, our, and... our friends might say, you might not be able to tell, but yeah, we did. <laughs> ah, very funny, very funny. Well, I, I did too, so we can relate on, on a lot of different things, I bet. Yep. Well, listen, I, I mean, you have, you have your book, Getting Real. It comes out June 16th, and you know, I want to I talk a little bit about that. I mean, I've been reading excerpts and, and sort of seeing everything that's out there on the book, and I'm excited to dive in and read it. I think you've had a fascinating career. I guess my first question for you, and we might as well start with faith because, you know, we're the church boys and we're talking about our upbringing a lot on this show in faith and our, our current uh, faith journey. What role for you does faith play in your life? Well, faith is the foundation in my life. I was so fortunate to grow up in a small town in Minnesota where my grandfather was the Lutheran minister in town, and he was at our church for 34 years. When he started there, there were 800 members. When he retired, there were 8,500 members, making wow. it the second largest Lutheran church in America. So religion, I learned as my foundation in life from my family. Obviously, from my grandfather, I also learned perseverance <laughs> and to never give up and to, you know, he would go to every family that came to my town to move in and he would visit every single one and he would say, I'm here to sell you eternal life. And he was just so good at it. And he was a great preacher. And I, I loved going to church because it was like seeing a rock star in the pulpit because he was my grandfather. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I was so involved in the church. I was a really serious violinist as a kid. So I also played the piano. So I was always performing in the church. I sang in the church choir. I taught Sunday school. My parents taught Sunday school. My parents sang in the church choir. And we were avid volunteers as well through our church. So I learned like really great life lessons growing up. And it's the same things that I'm trying to pass along to my children. Now my husband and I teach Sunday school and we trade off between the two classes of, of my son and my daughter. Wow, that's, that's awesome. That's great. That so, great. so as a kid, I mean, I'm, I listen. I I know that everything that we do in our lives as Christians is ministry. I I get that. So I don't I don't mean to ask this question any other way, but it's straightforward. Did you ever feel like you had a call to get into the ministry, to get into uh, being a preacher or being a music director at a church or a children's pastor or anything like that? You know, it's so funny you ask that because actually in my book, Getting Real, at the end. 
I talk about how no matter how old you are, that I'm a huge believer in still going after goals and trying to achieve new things. And I do mention, you know, that I'm not really sure what the future holds for me. Right now I'm doing a national TV show, but I actually mention the possibility of me in the pulpit. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, you never, you never know. I, I, love, um, I love the thought of that. I'm not sure it would become a reality, but there's another P word called, called politics that also intrigues me. Right. And, um, you know, I never did get my law degree. That was what I was originally going to do, and I got sidetracked by becoming Miss America, and then I got into the TV world. So that's also out there as a possibility. Right. But I guess the main message is that you should always still, you know, go for the brass ring and, and try and accomplish new goals in your life uh, because my life has been a series of unexpected twists and turns. Well, I'd, I'd say uh, having watched you for years on Fox, uh, on both on Fox and Friends and on your uh, on, on your uh, your daytime show today uh, on Fox, I, I would say that lawyer might be a great spot for you because you can argue with the best of them, right? I mean, oh, well, you're able thank to, you. You can stand up and you find a cause and you go after it. And that's, and that's fun to see. So, so we'll see what happens. Billy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Billy's. Well, I actually, love that you're, Billy, I love that you're open to, uh, just you know, a second, Billy, anything. You? it's like whatever God wants. Right. I mean, and that's sort of the way that I think a lot of people don't think and probably should, you know, especially for a Christian, whatever, whatever the future holds. No, Gretchen, and it I seems to, like right. it's done you well. I so have to far. tell you, this is a show that we have fun and we talk about serious things, but we also have a good time. And Billy's, yeah. I'm trying to talk to you seriously about faith stuff and, and Billy's making faces at me over Skype. So I appreciate, <laughs> I, I apologize. I apologize both for my breaking up and for my co-host's behavior. Hey, yeah, come we, on now. Now, the third thing I learned from my grandfather, who, remember, was the minister, besides uh, religion is my foundation and perseverance, was a sense of humor because his favorite TV show was Benny Hill. Oh, you guys may be too young oh, to remember I, that. Yeah, but, dun, 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 dun. yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah, it was, it was pretty revolved for a minister to, to be like, hey, that's my favorite show. But he had a fantastic sense of humor, and you know, I hope that I inherited part of that. So, you know, I wish I could see you guys to make these funny faces with you. Uh, well, I know. Well, we, love, we have a great time doing this. Show. I mean, yes, we did a show. We recently did a show about, you know, obviously the Bruce Jenner saga, which was a very serious conversation. We just we love to have a good time and we love to talk with people like you. So I actually have a serious question based, okay. on, based on your news career. What, what has been I mean, you've been in news for a long time and you've had a lot of different jobs in news. What has been the biggest challenge working in media for you? Wow. I talk about it extensively in the book, which is trying to overcome the stereotypes that people have about me from certain things that I've done in my life. You know, after becoming Miss America at only 22 years old, I never envisioned the hate that would come with that to a certain extent and, and specifically getting into TV news. You know, it was like my whole resume just fell off the face of the earth and being a graduate of Stanford and valedictorian of my high school class and an accomplished violinist, it was like, ah, nobody wanted to talk about that. They just wanted to call me a bimbo who had become Miss America. And in the book, I say I reached the bimbo trifecta when I got to Fox News because I'm natural blonde, uh, born Miss America, there's two strikes, and then I work at Fox, so right. three, bimbo, right. bimbo trifecta. And, it, you know, the reputation really preceded me in every job that I went to in media. I was all over the place, from Virginia to Cincinnati to Cleveland to Dallas to New York City to work for CBS and then finally to Fox. And I just came to realize after about one or two jobs that before I would show up and the news was out, the newsroom was all a flutter saying that, oh, great, they hired a former Miss America. She must be really stupid. 
So I knew that I had to come into all these positions and work triply hard, harder than anyone else, to be able to rise to the top and try and change some of those opinions. So, so you know, and, and I still to this day, you know, people, if I, if I went home and, and read all the blogs about me on a daily basis, and a lot of them, because I, I talk about faith, I'm one of the very few national news anchors to speak openly about faith, and people criticize me left and right. If I actually read all that stuff, I mean, you wouldn't get up in the morning. Right. So, you know, I, I talk about it in the book, not because I'm worried about it for me. I have really thick skin now. I'm worried about this whole social media vile nature for our young kids. And, you know, they're just trying to build their self-esteem and go, going through puberty. And, and people use social media in an anonymous way to attack people. And some kids are committing suicide over this. I mean, it is so ridiculous. So I'm really shining a light on it about some of the things I've gone through that are pretty horrific so that we can maybe come together and figure out how we're going to help our kids who are also facing the same stuff. So, and you've, you've hit, you've nailed something that's in my wheelhouse and that's kids and youth and working with youth. And that's just been where I have invested a ton of my time personally. What's our answer then? I mean, you've got, we've got this vile hate and I'd be curious to know, do you, have you received more hate for your faith side or for the Miss America side? Just that's kind of an, a, you know, an aside <laughs> question. Well, um, you know, like I said, I don't go through all, all the right. comments and like right. add them up. Um, I, you know, they're probably equal, equal amounts of yeah. hate, but I, I do, I do like to say that I, and I never realized being a Christian was criminal. Uh, but you know, a lot <laughs> of people feel that way and it's, it's really unfortunate as far as what we do about it. You know, I think it's a total conundrum for parents because we have to understand, my children are now 10 and 12. My daughter just earned her cell phone. She was the last girl in the sixth grade to get one. Uh, and now, of course, oh, she's mom, asking me you're for Instagram. So, mom, you're so mean and you're so I know. old school. Well, you know, the thing is, I because of what I do for my job, I understand nothing good comes out of any of this. Right. So, but, but the flip side, what I was going to also share for parents is that this is how kids communicate now. You know, it used to be that we had one phone line in our house and it was busy when somebody tried to reach you and you'd talk to your friends on the phone. And, and that, that doesn't, kids don't get phones today so they can have conversations. They get phones so they can text and so they can send pictures to each other and do all this social media stuff. It's a whole new way of developing in your peer groups. And so to a certain extent, parents are in this conundrum because if you don't give into it, then your kids, to a certain extent, are, aren't socializing. You know, they're kind of on the outs with everyone else. And it's a, I, my husband and I struggle with this all the time. We have not given in yet to the, to the social media because I just don't think anything good comes from it. But eventually, I think parents, for the most part, do. You know, they do give in. Um, and, and I'm not really sure what the answer is to that because I'm not so sure it's a great way to socialize our kids even without the social media. Yeah. You know, shouldn't they be having face-to-face conversations with right. other people? Right. That's um, a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Church is still the place where the kids can go and interact and volunteer and do things that are kind of old school. And that's what I think is really beneficial is to expose your kids to the same values and traditions that we had when we were kids and hope that they can hold on to some of that in this crazy world that we live in. So it's, it's funny to hear people today because my wife and, I, wife and I were having this conversation just the other day because we have a, you know, a little girl who's just about to turn eight. She's our oldest. And she's asking about slumber parties and that sort of thing. It's like now kind of our rule is going to be no sleepovers. 
because we live in this really dangerous, crazy world now. And and it, statistics don't bear that out. Statistics say it's not any more dangerous now than it was before. Okay, whatever. But mm-hmm. people long for the good old days. And the place that you find the good old days is in church, but yet people won't go to church. So what I is know. what is the so what's what is the church's answer? I mean, don't do we need to be changing the way we do things with church? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I was just having this conversation the other day with uh, with somebody else because, you know, the church that I go to now in my town with my family is very traditional, and and we're struggling as a church community about how do we get more people to come back to church with their kids, especially, and. One of the things is, yeah, you can you can modernize it, and I think that that's why megachurches have been so successful. And I'm of the opinion, look, I don't care what it takes to get people to come into church if they're wearing shorts and flip flops and you know want to want to sing with a band. Fantastic, at least they're getting the message. So I'm not really troubled with the venue or the way in which we try and get people into church. I, I think what the big problem that I've seen as a parent is that society has allowed us to encroach on church time with sports and with all these other activities. I mean, it used to be when I was growing up, there was never a sport practice or a game on Sunday morning. I mean, that was just, that was church time, right? Right. And, and now, I have to tell you, as parents, we struggle with it. I'm the mom that the flag football coach knows out of 2,000 parents. I'm the one who called up and said, hey, is there any way you could move the league from not Sunday morning so that my son who plays quarterback could actually come to the games because I'm going to choose church over the games. So if you schedule the game at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m., he can be there. But if you schedule it at 9 or 10, he can't. Now, you know, so parents could stand up and say, we want to take this time back and give it back to the church. That could be one thing. But I don't know. I think we've kind of gone over the edge on that. Well, and even even church, I mean, you're a rare case in as far and not just among parents but among church parents because there are a lot of parents who put those sports and other things above their church priorities and our priorities mm-hmm. are a little screwy even among people who call themselves christian and there's again there's a big difference between calling yourself christian and being one i think but right. you know and i think that there's a, a whole pri- our priorities are a little bit skewed billy had his hand up billy did you have something to well, no, you know, and and I love this because it's a, this is why I love these interviews. You never know where you're going to go, and we end up having this really fascinating sort of church conversation. And I think it's so true. I mean, you see the Pew poll, you see the Gallup poll about where people are on moral issues. All of it is sort of combined and interesting. But I had this other question in my head, which is totally off topic. So I'm sh- I'm shifting gears back. To, you know, I asked you what the hardest thing was, you know, about working in media, and I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to ask you also what the most rewarding thing about your career has been, because on the flip side, you've had this great, amazing career and you've persevered and, and you've built something pretty cool. So what what's been the biggest reward for you? Other other than other than getting to talk to us, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is number one, but a close Perfect. second <laughs> would be getting to Fox News. You know, um, my goal in life was was to one day do a national morning show, uh, and, and you know I accomplished that. I did it for the weekends for CBS for five years, but then I came to Fox and Friends and did that for, for eight years. And, and it was always my goal, but, but it was always my mom's goal too, because when I was starting out and, and being a cub reporter, I would send her tapes, you know, this was before the internet, and uh, 
she would call me up and she'd say, oh, I think you're doing such a good job, but, but could you smile a little more when you're reporting? Because I want people to, to be able to find out all the sides of your personality. And I'd be like, mom, I'm covering murders and fires. I can't be smiling. <laughs> so, so when I finally got to the morning show, I mean, she was right. She, she and I both wanted to be able to, to do a, a type of situation where you could do really serious political news and hard news, but at the same time also have fun and do, and do crazy things. So I would say that finally reaching that goal was pleasing to my mom and also, also to me. And I guess also is that you learn so much information in the kind of position that I have. It's like studying for a final every single day. And a lot of the knowledge you're building on from what you already know, but it's something new every single day. So it's so wonderful for people who really can't sit behind a desk and just do the same thing every day. And, and that fits my personality. And I just feel like I, I love knowledge and I love learning more and I always love school. So every day is a new challenge, and every day you're adding more information to your database in your in your head, and um, I think that's that's the greatest joy that I get out of the job. So let me ask you a question about the morning show stuff, and you've, if you want to tell me to pound sand, that's fine. But I want to ask you, and if you don't want to elaborate, that's fine also. But when I've wa- when I watch um, uh, Fox and Friends, I get mm-hmm. the impression that uh, Ducey smells like bubble gum and Kilmeade smells like whiskey that early in the morning. Is that accurate? <laughs> Um, actually, uh, Brian would smell more like beer <laughs> and, and he wouldn't be mad at me for, for saying that, uh, he does like to have his beer. And actually, is that what's in the, see, is that what's in the, is that what's in the mugs or in the red wine? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> keep in mind, I, I, you know, I know these guys, I also called them my work husbands because, right. you know, I spent more time with them during the week than I did my actual husband. That's so funny. That is so yeah. funny. So well, I let read, me just I, and I, I need ha- to I need to ask her a personal question real quick and again go for okay. it. is it true your husband uh reps uh Derek Jeter or repped Derek, Derek Jeter? Yeah, and and still does amongst like 120 oh, wow. other baseball players, but uh yeah, he he represented him since uh Derek was like 19 years wow. old so wow. forever, more That's than 20 amazing. years, yeah. So you've got you've had a chance to not only through news but through your husband meet some pretty amazing people. I know. I, I and it's um it's a good thing that neither of us are phased by that at all. Yeah. Um, and especially my husband, you know, he, he's perfect for his job as an agent because he, he doesn't ask any questions. And wow. I always tell him I could never be an agent cause I ask questions for a living. <laughs> and I would just want to know way too much stuff. Right. And, uh, and he's such a good secret keeper and, and I would not be, you know, I, I just right. want to know information, yeah. but yeah, you know, we've, we've, we've had a, we've had fascinating lives separately and fascinating lives uh, together, but deep down we're just both two kids from the Midwest who like to keep it real. And that's why I called the book getting real. Who, who haven't you interviewed that is on the top of your list of somebody you'd like to talk to? And then I'll let Billy close. Uh, Billy Graham. Oh really? Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be, Actually that'd be good. his daughter, uh, Ann Graham lots did, uh, an endorsement blurb for me on the back of my book. Wow. And she's a wonderful, wonderful person. But, uh, you know, I don't know if he's well enough to do an interview now, but well, uh, that I would have loved to have been able to sit down with him with my grandfather being a minister and, and just, yeah. you know, Billy Graham, one of the most fascinating people ever. Yeah, and I'm not sure, though, that Baptists are allowed to associate with Lutherans, so you might have that Oh, problem. come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. And by the way, I'm a Presbyterian now. Oh, so, okay, um, wow. Yeah, and I, and I always say that I, I don't think my grandfather's rolling over too much in his grave okay, because uh, Presbyterian came, you know, a little bit, 50 years after uh, Martin Luther, I think, or something right. like that. So right. it's not it's not that big of a difference. Uh, so, yeah, but, but I'm 
you know, I I like to think that we're all in this together. Yeah, so denominations don't really matter. That's right. Well, listen, I know you. I know we have to run here. My my last question is just not even a question. It's an opportunity for you to give a little plug um, again for your book and what you hope people get out of it. Yeah, listen, it's a it's an inspirational memoir. I want people to know that I've made a ton of mistakes in my life and I've had a bunch of failures. And sometimes people think that national news people, oh, everything comes easy, they've never had any problems. And for the first time in this book, I talk extensively about a lot of my failures, um, a lot of things that people have never known about me. I got fired after I got married. I was out of work for a year. I have empathy for anyone who's ever been through that. Our first child was born with a tumor in her eye. Um, People don't know about that. She's fine now, but we had a huge medical issue. I struggled with infertility. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on, and I I just want people to know that I've stayed true to who I was, that little girl growing up in Minnesota, and I hope that I can be inspirational to anyone else who wants to go for their dreams. Thanks so much. It was great talking with you. You're awesome. Thanks so much. And if people want to learn more about my book, they can go to GretchenCarlson.com. Great. GretchenCarlson.com. Thank you, Gretchen, so much for being on us. We appreciate it. Church boys, I loved it. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm actually unhinged. Seriously. Okay, we'll do this again. Just don't speak. Back to the church boys. Rick Santorum, who is running for president for the 14 millionth time this year. America's favorite losing Catholic senator. I like him, but. Um, I I like him, um, but he's not going to win. But anyway, he's, he's like running him. for president, um, and I actually really do like him. I've interviewed him many times. I think he's a really nice guy. I, I just think don't he's see lovely. him winning. Lo- lovely man, as Chris said. But he was sort of put to the test on CNN last night. He was asked the burning question that every American is wondering. Would he accept Caitlyn Jenner's endorsement? Why in the world? Can, before we address the story, why is Caitlyn Jenner's endorsement the thing that every that CNN anchors are asking everybody about? Well, she's a Republican, remember? Or she, he, Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, Jenner person is a Republican. Okay, great. I, as far That's as I know, but, as far as but, I know, when when Bruce became Caitlyn, the surgery didn't include um, the removal of party preference. But here's the thing. That's great. And I don't care, you know, really what Bruce um, or Caitlyn Jenner believe or what they what he believed when he was Bruce, what he believes when he's Caitlyn. That's great. Everyone has the right to believe what they want. My question is, why is this a pertinent thing? And I think it's a pertinent thing to be asking people because it's a way to trap people like Rick Santorum, who, you know, reporters know he has very conservative stances on these issues and it puts him in an awkward position. But he handled the question very well. And he said, that he would welcome anybody's endorsement, and he never really questions why people support him. He just welcomes, for whatever reason they support him, that they support him. So he gave a good response, and you know, CNN tried to double down. Aaron Burnett was like, but do you support her? Right, well, that doesn't right? have anything so, to do with it. I, I support an endorsement. I don't support her cause, necessarily, but I support right. her endorsement. I'm fine with her endorsement. It? it doesn't matter. But, it, that's but what, I think that's what it was really about. I right. think that well, was the, the question. That's, that's the leading question. You accept their vote. This is this is the quote from Aaron Burnett. You accept their vote, but do you accept them? Do you accept her? And his response was, my job as a human being is to treat everybody with dignity respect, and respect. And, you know, he sort of left it at that, which I think is appropriate. I, I think so, too. And But to be fair to Santorum and CNN, there have been times where, like, white supremacist groups or other racially insensitive groups or other bad actors 
have endorsed candidates and a candidate says, um, I don't want your endorsement and I don't want your money. So it's not an unfair question, but the reason for the question had nothing to do with do you support, do you accept Caitlyn Jenner's endorsement? It has everything to do with do you think what Caitlyn Jenner did is okay and why are you such a bigot for not thinking it's okay? Right. I think there's nothing wrong with asking those questions, but I think the motive shows up in the follow-up Absolutely. question. But do you support, do you accept her? Right, right. That so, is the motive, and I don't I don't like that on these issues, but that right. listen – this is what reporters are supposed to do. I just wish I more reporters were doing it in Honestly. past elections when people like Reverend Wright popped up. Right. That there right. were maybe, maybe yeah. some more fervent yeah. questions about supporting the messages that people like that. Uh, yeah, and LA Time, the LA Times, the LA Times still won't release the 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 audio tape from the the meeting that Obama had with the who was it was it a Palestinian leader or whatever and in. It was a professor from Columbia. Some nut Kali, job. I'm forgetting his yeah. name, but you yeah. know what I'm talking about. LA Times still won't release that. As though it's some sort of top secret audio file. That doesn't. It's weird. It's weird. It's, weird. it's really weird. Yeah. So, all right. So we got to go because you got to catch a train, and I got to shower. Uh, boy, for can, once, uh, you can probably smell me right through the through the computer. But check um, your Twitter feed, Chris. There's a oh, curious right. picture of you that's popping up on social media. Fantastic. That's just wonderful. Um, as you get ready to get on the train to go up and see uh, Mama Laura Hollowell, uh, do you have any advice for the peeps out there? Crack open your Korans. Read your Bibles. Read Watch, your read holy your scriptures. Okay. <laughs> read your holy scriptures. Read the Bible. Watch Mad Max and read the Blaze. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> this is the stupidest show ever. <laughs> bye bye.